Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. Today we're in Revelation 13, so we're a little over halfway through. And before we get started, I'm just going to open with prayer. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for watching over us and keeping us safe. I'm grateful for the opportunity to come before you. I pray that we would truly understand who you are. I pray that today as we read, that we would learn more about you and that we could grow closer to you. I pray that we would understand you more and that we'd bring you glory. I pray that our hearts and our minds would open and that we would learn and grow and truly appreciate in awe of who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we're in 13, and I'll just tell you, I've, I'm enjoying reading through these through this book. It's interesting. It's a challenge. Um, trying to find information on it that I understand or, you know, kind of comports with what I've been reading throughout my, my life um, has, has been great. It's been a very interesting time. And it's a great story, um, you know, good versus evil. So, and it's, it's, uh, really been fun to, fun to read. And so today it's going to be a little bit of a longer podcast. So I apologize for that. What we're going to do is what I'm going to do is read, um, the chapter. Then I'm going to read something from, from, um, A.W. Tozer and it's his focus on one particular, uh, verse. And then once I've read that, I'll go ahead and go through the MacArthur uh, commentary that we started yesterday. And now we'll do chapter 13 and where I read basically parts of the verse that he's talking about and or the entire verse. But then he chooses and picks words out and topics out, gives a brief description or commentary on it, and then moves on to the next words. So this will take a little bit longer. So I need to stop talking. And just start doing. So with that, verse 1, chapter 13. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns. And on each head, a blasphemous name. The beast I, beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power, and his throne, and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority over 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who lived in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all those whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword they will be killed. 
This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. <clears throat> the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and co- cause all who wor- refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. So that's chapter 13. There's... um quite a bit here. And uh, Tozer is going to focus on verse 9, or I'm sorry, verse 8, where it says, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So he's going to focus on that. I think it'll be pretty interesting for you to, to hear and to read, and then we'll get into the commentary from, <clears throat> from uh, uh, MacArthur. So with that, I'm going to start in with what's, what Tozer has to say. So he starts out with, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Christ the Eternal Son is timeless. When you think about Jesus, you have to think, twice. You have to think of his humanity and his deity. He said a lot of things that made it sound as if he wasn't God. He said other things that made it sound as if he wasn't human. He said, for instance, before Abraham was, I am. That's in John 8, 58. That made it sound as if he antedated creation. Then he said, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. Again, John 5, 30. And that made it sound as if he wasn't divine. He said, the Father is greater than I, 1428. And that made it sound as if he wasn't God. And he said, I and the Father Father are one. And that made it sound as if he wasn't human. But the fact is, he is both. He talked about himself as divine and as as human. And when Jesus talked about himself as human, he was humble. He used humble, lowly words. When he talked about himself as divine, he used words that startled and shook people. He said, speaking about the inspired scriptures, You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. Matthew 5.21 He could talk like God, and then he could talk like the man. So we've always got to think about the Son of Man, Jesus Christ the Lord, in two ways. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, Galatians 4.4, 4, that he might free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death, Hebrews 2.15. 
That means his humanhood. And he was slain from the creation of the world. Revelations 13.8. What can that mean? How could he be slain from the foundation of the world? When God laid the heaven and the earth and caused the grass to be upon the hills and the trees to be upon the mountains. When God made the birds to fly in the air and the fish to swim in the sea. God had already in his heart lived Calvary and the resurrection and the glory and the crown. So he was slain before the foundation of the world. We can also look at or think about those verses where Jesus says, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. So it's the thought, and God knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew what was going to happen. So he was slain from the beginning of the earth. If we then go on in another one of his reflections, Grace always comes by Jesus Christ. It didn't come at his birth, but it came in God's ancient plan. No grace was ever administered to anybody except by and through and in Jesus Christ. When Adam and Eve had no children, God spared Adam and Eve by grace. And when they had their two boys, one offered a lamb and thus said, I look forward to the Lamb of God. He accepted the grace of Christ thousands of years before he was born. And God gave him witness that he was justified. The grace did not come when Christ was born in a manger. It did not come when Christ was baptized or anointed of the Spirit. It did not come when he died on a cross. It did not come when he rose from the dead. It did not come when he went to the Father's right hand. Grace came from the ancient beginnings through Jesus Christ, the eternal Son, and was manifest on the cross of Calvary in fiery blood and tears and sweat and death. But it has always been operative from the beginning. If God had not operated in grace, he would have swept the human race away. He would have crushed Adam and Eve under his heel in awful judgment, for for they had it coming. But because God was a God of grace, he already had an eternity planned. The plan of grace, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. There was no embarrassment in the divine scheme. God didn't have to look back up and say, Oops, I'm sorry, but I've mixed things up here. He simply went right on. Everybody receives, in some degree, God's grace. The lowest woman in the world, the most sinful bloody man in the world, Judas, Hitler. If it hadn't been that God was gracious, they would have been cut off and slain, along with you and me and all the rest. I wonder if there's much difference in us sinners after all. So Tozer takes it and focuses on that, that element and that God has, already, has always existed and it's just, you know, the, the, the crucifixion has already, always existed. So it's very challenging. It's, a, it's just a, an amazing concept. And, yeah. So anyways, I struggle with that sometimes. I don't know how it all works. But it's very, very um, interesting. It's something that, bottom line, I have to read a lot. Because... <laughs> It doesn't always make a ton of sense to me, but my mind is not, it's not God's. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely, it requires a lot of different thought. So with that, I'm going to move on to now the MacArthur commentary for chapter 13, verse one, the script, the verse that is, that goes as, then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns. 
and on his ten on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blas on his heads a blasphemous name. Then I stood. Most manuscripts read, "He stood," referring again to the dragon. He takes a position in the midst of the nations of his of his world, represented by the sand of the sea, a beast, literally a monster. This describes a vicious killing animal. In this context, the term represents both a person, Antichrist, and his system, the world. The final satanic world empire will be inseparable from the demon-possessed man who leads it. Rising up out of the sea, the sea represents the abyss or pit, the haunt of demons. The picture is of Satan summoning a powerful demon from the abyss, who then activates and controls the beast, Antichrist, and his empire. Seven heads and ten horns. This description is, is like that of Satan in 12.3. The heads may represent successive world empires. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and the final kingdom of Antichrist. The final one is made up of all the kingdoms represented by the horns. Ten is the number that sim- symbolizes the totality of human military and political power assisting the beast, Antichrist, as he controls the world. Horns always represent power, as in the animal kingdom, both offensive power and defensive power. Daniel shows that the human Antichrist will rise up from these ten kings. John picks up the numerical imagery, which refers to the ten toes on the statue's clay and iron feet. The apostle sees the beast as the final world government, the Antichrist-Anti-God coalition, headed by a revived Roman empire having the strength of various world powers, yet mixed with weakness and ultimately crushed. The crowns show the regal dominion of this confederate kingdom. Blasphemous name. Throughout history, every time a monarch has identified himself as a god, he has blasphemed the true god. Each ruler who contributes to the beast's final coalition has an identity, wears a crown, exerts dominion and power, and therefore blasphemes God. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Leopard is a metaphor for ancient Greece, alluding to Greeks' swiftness and agility as their military moved forward in conquest, particularly under Alexander the Great. The leopard and subsequent animal symbols were all native wildlife in Palestine, familiar to John's readers. The bear is a metaphor for the ancient Medo-Persian Empire, depicting that kingdom's ferocious strength combined with its great stability. Lion is a metaphor for the ancient Babylonian Empire, referring to the Babylonians' fierce, all-consuming power as they extended their domain. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. His deadly wound was healed. The statement could refer to one of the kingdoms that was destroyed and revived, that is, the Roman Empire, but more likely refers to a fake death and resurrection enacted by the Antichrist as part of his lying deception. World marveled. People in the world will be astounded and fascinated when the Antichrist appears to rise from the dead. His brilliance and attractive his brilliance and attractive but deluding powers will cause the world to follow him unquestioningly. Sounds like what just happened with the, uh, with so much of the vaccines, right? Everyone just did it. 
So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is, the, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemes. He was given authority to continue for 42 months. Now, when I make that comment about the vaccine, I don't know where what position you take. Um, I'm just saying, and in that thought, that we're starting, it almost feels like possibly are we getting trained for something like that? You know, here was a trial, a trial run on getting people to just do things as a group. Um, anyways, so in verse five was given the sovereign God will establish the limits within which the antichrist will be allowed to speak and operate. God will allow him to utter his blasphemies to bring the rage of Satan to its culmination on earth for three and a half years. 42 months, this is the final three and a half years, 1260 days of the time of Jacob's trouble in Daniel's 17th week, known as the Great Tribulation. This last half is launched by the abomination of desolations. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. He blasphemed his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. This identifies God and summarizes all his attributes. His tabernacle, this is symbolic of heaven. Those who dwell in heaven, the angels and glorified saints who are before the throne of God and serve him day and night. Verse 7. It was granted to him to make war with with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Makes war with the saints. The Antichrist will be allowed to massacre those who are God's children. That's kind of a bummer. Verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world lamb is slain uh, the lord jesus who died to purchase the salvation of those whom god has chosen was fulfilling an eternal plan from the foundation of the world according to god's eternal electing purpose before creation the death of christ seals the redemption of the elect forever antichrist can never take away the salvation of the elect the eternal registry of the elect will never be altered nor will truly saved people worship the Antichrist in the days of his reign. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If he who leads into captivity shall, shall go into captivity, he who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. He hears the pa- patience and the faith of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Another beast. This is the final false prophet who promotes Antichrist's power and convinces the world to worship him as God. This companion beast will be the chief, most persuasive proponent of satanic religion. Antichrist will be primarily a political and military leader, but the false prophet will be a religious leader. Politics and religion will unite in a worldwide religion of worshiping the Antichrist. Out of the earth. This is likely another reference to the abyss that lies below the earth. The false prophet will be sent forth and controlled by a powerful demon from below. The earth imagery, in contrast to that of the foreboding mysterious sea in verse 1, may imply that the false prophet is subtler and more winsome than the Antichrist. The two horns like a lamb. This describes the relative weakness of the false prophet compared to Antichrist, who has ten, ten horns. A lamb has only two small bumps on its head, very inferior to the ten-horned beast. Like a lamb. The lamb imagery 
may also imply that the false prophet will be a false Christ masquerading as the true lamb. Unlike Christ, unlike Antichrist, the false prophet will come not as a killing, destroying animal, but as one who appears gentle and deceptively attractive. Spoke like a dragon. The false prophet will be Satan's mouthpiece, and thus his message will be like the dragon Satan, the source of all false religion. Verse 12. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Exercises all the authority of the first beast. The false prophet exercises the same kind of satanic power as Antichrist, because he is empowered by the same source. He too will have worldwide influence and reputation as a miracle worker and speaker. Cause to worship. He causes is used eight times of him. He wields influence to establish a false world religion headed by Antichrist and to entice people to accept that system, whose deadly wound was healed. This likely refers to the carefully crafted deception of a false resurrection after a false murder to inspire allegiance from the world. Verse 13, he performs great signs so that even makes and so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Great signs. The same phrase is used of Jesus' miracles, which indicates the false prophet performs signs that counterfeit Christ. Satan, who has done supernatural work in the past, for example in Exodus 7.11, must use his strategy for false miracles to convince the world that Antichrist is more powerful than God's true witnesses, including Jesus Christ. Fire comes down from heaven. The context indicates that the false prophet continually does counterfeit pyrotechnic signs in order to convince men of his power, and also an imitation of the two witnesses. Verse 14, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the, in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Make an image. This refers to replication of Antichrist of Antichrist that is related to the throne he will erect during the abomination of desolation. Halfway into the tribulation period, this will happen in the Jerusalem temple when Antichrist abolishes the former false religion and seeks to have people worship him alone as God. The false prophet and Antichrist will again deceive the world with a clever imitation of Christ, who will later return and reign from the true throne in Jerusalem. Verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not, cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Speak, the false prophet gives the image of the Antichrist the appearance of life, and the image will seem to utter words contrary to what is normally true of idols. Be, uh, cause, and then to be killed. His gentleness is a lie, since he is a killer. Some Gentiles will be spared to populate the kingdom, and Jews will be protected. Verse 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. A mark. In the Roman Empire, this was a normal identifying symbol or brand that slaves and soldiers bore on their bodies. Some of the ancient mystical cults delighted in such tattoos which identified members with a form of worship, Antichrist will have a similar requirement, one that will need to be visible on the hand or forehead. 
verse 17, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Buy or sell. Antichrist's mark will allow people to engage in daily commerce, including the purchase of food and other necessities. Without the identifying mark, individuals will be cut off from the necessities of life. Again, I just hearken back to the vaccine and how some people were like, oh, don't let people work. Don't let them go into stores. Don't let them buy anything. It's kind of scary. Number of his name. The beast Antichrist will have a name inherent in a numbering system. It is not clear from the exact text what this name and number system will be or what its significance will be. Here's wisdom, verse 18. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. This is the essential number of a man. The number six falls one short of God's perfect number, seven and thus represents human imperfection. Antichrist, the most powerful human the world will ever know, will still be a man, that is, a six. The ultimate in human and demonic power is a six, not perfect as God is. The threefold repetition of the number is intended to reiterate and underscore man's identity. When Antichrist is finally revealed, there will be some some way to identify him with his basic number of a man, or his name may have the numerical equivalent of 666. In many languages, including Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, letters have numerical equivalents. Because this text reveals very little about the meaning of 666, it is unwise to speculate beyond what is said. And there goes, and there ends the commentary on chapter 12. I'm sorry, chapter 13. So with that, I'm just going to, you know, this is like a, a very intense chapter. And at times it's pretty scary to think about where we're at in our current society and what we just went through with the pandemic. And it makes me excited because God is near. Um, that's what it makes me think, but it also gives me great pause and concern because is, is what we just went through training grounds, a precursor to the tribulation. You know, I just can only keep praying and asking God to give me strength and not to have fear. And instead to rest in him, which has been a topic throughout Isaiah, Jesus's teachings that we've gone through and now in Revelation. So with that, I'm just going to close this with prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that as the creator of all, the one who has, who knows this, this, the beginning and the end and you've lived it, you've seen it, it is already in place. And you know the beginning and the end for all of us. And so I just lift up this time and I thank you for the opportunity to get to learn more. And I pray that instead of having concern, fears, whatever, however you want to define it, that instead it would be confidence and joy and grace in knowing that you are in charge and that our lives are numbered by you, not by the Antichrist, not by the demons, but by you, the creator of all. So I pray, Father, for you to, to walk with us today. Help us to do your will, to understand more fully. And may we bring you glory and honor in all that we do. I thank you for this time. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. Sorry this went a little, little bit long, but there were some pretty uh, interesting things to cover. So I hope you enjoyed it. Take care.